Andrew led us, her, her husband, but uh, Kim's going to share tonight. But before she does, I want to invite Andrew and Kim, and we want to have you come. And Andrew and Kim have been part of our community, are still part of our community, but uh, there's some transition that's happening, and uh, you are moving to Regina. And uh, we, you know, when I heard the news in their home, this was something where I was like, this is a real loss for our community, but it's also a gain because um, we're, we're hard as for Canada. And our heart is for Canada, and so God has, uh, has called them to go and be worship pastors at a church, Harvest City Church, you got it right, in Regina. And so in July, uh, they are going, um, and uh, we just wanted tonight to pray a blessing over them as a community, uh, to thank them and honor them. Uh, I know, Andrew, you have led so many times, I can't even count how many since the beginning, really. I, I think of Vanguard up, up there, and, and uh, I think of all the times where just you ushered in God's presence, and God just used you, and, and Kim, when you spoke at the Celtic Hall, and you guys kind of think tag-teamed it a little bit, and just all the times together in ministry, you modeled it for us as a community, as a couple who have kids and are busy and work full-time, and uh, you know, uh, many of us don't know this, but Andrew was a, a pastor in Leduc, uh, seems like many years ago, and God called him to resign with nothing to go to, just felt to resign. He kind of, he did some jobs, but you know, it was a great church, but this guy and this couple listened to the voice of God, and I look to them and I go, oh man, that would have been hard to quit. Because it was a great thing. But you were always obedient to God's voice. And I know when I'm around you and as a community, we just know that you hear God. And, and I want to encourage you in that. And, you know, even tonight I was driving here and I saw this gray house. And it's all gray and there's a red door. And I feel like even in the past season, these last four or five years, there's been some gray seasons, some dark, some like, ah, like, where are you, God? But I just really believe God has opened that red, there's a red door. There's that bright door, that light that's coming through, and it's because you've been so obedient to his voice. And I just, uh, we want to pray, but I just believe this is such a new season for you guys. And I know that you're leaving, but you're not leaving. You're still part of us. And I don't think there's anyone that I know that carries, even, you know, we're in prayer meetings. And just how the verbiage that you use to talk about, yeah, we're part of this resurgence. Like, you just carry it more than any person I know. And it's like, I just honor you for that. I honor for you just being a part of this. And I feel like it's a loss, but it's a gain. Because Regina, in Jesus' name, you know, revival in Regina. And uh, I said, hey, we, we got to come do a resurgence in Regina, you know, and, and so road trip. So, um, but we're going to pray. And I, why don't we stand? And, and if you just want to, well, how about a bunch of people come gather around them? And we're just going to pray a blessing and honor them and then invite Kim to come speak. Yeah. Yeah. So, God, I thank you for this couple. I thank you for the call of God on them. God, I thank you that you watch over the word. And even in the seasons where it seemed like, where are you, God? What is the word? Why is it not happening now? You watch over it. And you are faithful to come through. And I thank you for this divine appointment in Regina. God, it's far away, but God, I thank you that you moved and, and there's something happening in Regina. And Andrew and Kimberly are going to be a part of that in their family. And so, God, I pray right now over every detail in, in selling their house as it went on the market this week. We ask right now for a breakthrough, for a buyer, for all the finances to make this move possible, all the little details that go into a moving 
having a family. We ask for breakthrough now in Jesus' name, for, for the house over there to be the perfect house, the, just the right things to come into place. God, we thank you for what they've poured into this community. God, we honor them, God, for just month after month leading us in, in encouragement and, and a text and, and the breakfast and just the times that we spent together. God, I thank you for their heart, their heart for ministry, their heart for you. People that model hearing God's voice and then responding, being obedient. God, I thank you. I thank you for them. I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that there are such great things ahead. I thank you that the reports are going to come in and we'll be able to testify of what is happening in Regina and, and, and elsewhere that you take them in Jesus' name. So we thank you for their lives. We honor them tonight in Jesus' name. dusty and things that are old and you just putting God's renewing on them and that you're just like bringing things new and you're bringing light into addicts and that you're just like giving God's renewing and blessing over things that people thought were useless and what people thought was garbage. You're taking away those cobwebs and really just like showing God's light and opening up the curtains. There's a, there's a point where um, Martha uh, was standing before the tomb of her brother Lazarus, Lazarus and, uh, and uh, Jesus was about to go in, and she's like, Jesus, don't do that. Don't you know he's already been dead for a couple days? Uh, don't go in there. And, uh, and Jesus says, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And I just feel like God says, yeah, believe in me. You do not need anything else. Believe in me, and you will see the glory of God. Yeah. So, Lord, everything that may have seemed dead in the years of waiting, we call it to come forth. Come forth every dream, everything that they've sowed, we call it forth to come forth in Jesus' name. 
get up. That every, every dormant thing, God, we just speak resurrection life. That there is a resurrection life to every dream that you've spoken and that's been hidden in their hearts and maybe even got very dusty and felt like it would never come to place. God, I thank you that you are dusting it off tonight. And come forth, I feel the Lord saying, come forth, come forth, come forth. God, I thank you. It's going to be a new season. New songs will be written. New levels. New uh, Kimberly, you're going to be sharing with women. I see it. There's there's a release of ministry that you're stepping into in a, in a great. It's not just Andrew. It's both. And it's just that you've talked about those seasons. This is the season. I just feel it. There is a coming together. There is, and it's been through the process that God has refined you and brought you to this point. And now there's this launch, and it's a launch into the season. And so God, we we just bless them and see this in Jesus name everybody said amen let's just let's just honor them with an applause yeah yeah okay just gonna grab this Wow, Jesus. I could just stop here and call it a night. It would be good. I'm just going to pray. Jesus, I just pray that as your presence is already here so strongly, that, that my words would just be your words, not my words, but your words. God, I just pray for, for a resurrection of life and a springing forth of hope to come forth in this room tonight. God, I pray that where people have, have gotten tired and weary, that there would, be, there would be a rest and a joy that would arise within people tonight. God, I just pray that you, would just, that you would just have your way. I thank you for resurgence. I thank you for the lifeline that it's been to Andrew and I over this over this season, and I just pray that you would just bless them. This is just the beginning. They're going to go further and further. Um, and I wasn't going to start here, but God has just totally <laughs> changed this around. Um, when Travis was showing that video from Havila, um, even as I was preparing, I was going back through some of my journaling and some of my stuff and just reading over different things, and God was just stirring. He was stirring a lot. I could speak to you guys for a couple of hours right now. <laughs> I'll try not to. Um, but yeah, just going back through, and I came across this, and then... I had kind of been wrestling with where it fit. Would I share it tonight? I don't know if I would. And then when Travis showed that video for Havila, she's like, okay, God, this is, where, this is where you want me to start. So this was in April of 2013, so a year ago. And I was praying for resurgence, and this is what it just says at the beginning. I'm praying for resurgence tonight. As they're practicing God's great dance floor, I just sense to pray for an arising, an awakening of tired, weary souls, and a celebration of joy in the Lord. Ephesians 5.14, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God. And I just sense that 
that there is a rising up in resurgence, that God is calling the resurgence community for an awakening, that where people have been tired and weary, that he's calling us to rise up. He's calling you to come forth. And so I just proclaim that over you and as this community of resurgence to wake up, to go forth, to arise in what God's calling you to. Wake up, O sleeper, because he's got more for you. Be careful how you live. Live as wise. Don't be foolish, but know what God's will is. Seek the will of the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Show thankfulness, gratefulness in every situation. As long as you have breath, you have opportunity to be thankful. As long as you have breath within your lungs, you have opportunity to find something to be thankful for. And now where? Um... Yeah, so I just, I do, I just speak that over you, and I just release that over you. When you have promises of God, you're following after him, walking after God. I think so many times we think, yes, I've, I've heard from God, I'm, I've walked out in obedience, I've said yes to God, and now... Smooth sailing, life is easy. I can, just, I can just follow him, I can just walk, and I don't have to worry about anything. I can, just, I can just walk and be smooth sailing or not. Flashback to four years ago, and Travis touched on this a bit while um, he was praying over us, but Adder and I were going to a church that we absolutely loved. Um, I know some of you here have heard this story before, but through... Through this wrestling, we really, really felt God say, will you lay this down and will you take a step of faith and obedience because I'm calling you on to more and I can't do that if you stay in this place. And Andrew really, really sensed it and I didn't. I kind of fought him and wrestled with him and argued and like, well, you might have heard from God, but I didn't. So I don't know, there's two of us here. You can't resign because I'm... I'm not resigning. I'm not going anywhere. And so that was really, really fun to work through. Yeah, that was a really good strengthening in our marriage and um, figuring out what unity looks like when you're both feeling something um, from God at different times. But long story short, I came around. God was just, I maybe I was just a little bit harder. God had to bang a little bit harder to... Um, for me to put down my guard, but basically we took a step of obedience and we said, okay, God, here we are. We're going to follow you. We're going we're gonna to resign from a church that we've plowed, we've worked, we've prayed for. We've had tears in this place and we know, we knew, we knew, we knew that God was on the cusp of breakthrough there, that he was about to do amazing things and we still have amazing relationship with people there and the things that God has done have been phenomenal and amazing but I just thought, this is good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey God, and it's going to be good. We're going we're gonna to instantly move into tremendous power. We're going to walk out in the calling and the authority that God has placed on us, and we're just going to go in it. And I felt like I jumped off the cliff and fell. And for the last four years, God has changed me. He's refined me. I've never felt so broken I've never felt so emptied of everything I thought I knew. 
And what I didn't realize was that the first life that God was going to change was ours. The first life that he was going to do this restoration and this, this, um, this work in was us. He was luring us into the desert because he was preparing us for what was ahead. And sometimes God lures us into the desert place. No discipline ever feels good at the time. And, you know, it wasn't even like it was a spanking that God said, you've done everything wrong. Let's just slap you upside of the head and you're just going to turn around. It was more like the discipline of an athlete, of God refining and growing and clinging to him when I felt like all was lost, when I felt like I had nothing left. I became empty and barren and broken. I fell apart, and I struggled with anxiety like I'd never had before in my life. I'd never been one to struggle with with anxiety or depression, and it was dark. There were moments making supper where I felt like I couldn't breathe. My chest would be pounding, and I was watching our finances just dwindle away, our equity, our savings just disappear, and feeling like, God, I trusted you with everything. I trusted you to take care of us. And you're letting us fall. But I learned to cling to God. And I learned to see who God was calling us to be in that place. I learned what God said about me in that place. I learned the dreams and the desires and the passions that he had placed on us in that place. And even though it wasn't coming through my way, in the way that I thought it was... I just felt like my faith was shaken and laid bare. I began to see so much of my own nakedness and how much I was just trying to do in my own strength. And I also saw how I was holding God hostage with my resentment and with my feelings of, God, where are you? I don't even know if I can trust you anymore because I trusted you with everything. And this isn't what I thought it would look like. I began to pick up resentment towards God and towards others who also seemed to be doing so good. And yet here I was, feeling like I was drowning and sinking in quicksand. But I was in a desert, and I was learning to trust God. I was learning to trust despite circumstance and despite things not happening in my way and in my control. A year into that, so three years ago, we were driving to Regina. We were... um, Andrew was speaking or leading worship at a youth conference, and I went along with him um, as prayer and intercession. And we are driving there, and I was falling apart. We were about a half an hour outside of Edmonton, and I was bawling. Not just like little cries, but I was at the end of myself and just being like, I don't know, why am I even going here? What am I doing? I don't know if I can do this. I don't know how much longer I can do this. I don't know how much longer I can keep my head above water. And while we were driving in this brokenness and in this deep, dark place, our pastor actually started texting. And um, Andrew was driving, so I was reading and texting for him. And then he's like, and I just feel for Kim. I'm like, actually, I'm texting, I'm reading. Um, And he was just like, confess the resentment you feel towards God and worship him in this place of brokenness, raw broken and real because there's a power and an authority that's released when you worship God in that place 
And so I did. In the car, I just began to confess, God, I for, forgive me for how I've held you hostage. Forgive me for how I've said, God, I don't trust you. Forgive me for holding that. Forgive me for thinking it should have gone the way I thought it should be, instead of really trusting you to have control. And that if I, if I lost it all, what does it matter? Because it's not anything here on earth isn't really mine anyway. It's all God's. My treasure is not here. My treasure is in heaven. If I lose it all, what does it matter? What does it matter on this earth? So I began to confess that to God. And God turned it around. So 45 minutes into the drive, it's an eight-hour drive to Regina. For the other seven hours and 15 minutes, the presence of God filled our car. And we just worshipped and praised. And there was a turning point in my life. There was a shift, a 180-degree shift that happened in my life in that moment. The anxiety, the depression, the, the feeling like I was about to have a full-blown panic attack, God just used that and, and just broke it. And I even feel tonight that there might be some of you in this room that you've really struggled with anxiety and with depression. And maybe you've held on to resentment towards others or towards God. And I just pray right now that you would just, tonight, that, that you would just begin to confess some of that to God. And I just really believe that God wants to do a 180 in your life tonight, that he wants to take that depression and that anxiety that you, might have been, that you may have been battling and just completely turn it around and that you will notice a shift in your spirit, that you will see a shift inside of you. I even think we were, um, Andrew and I were at a purity conference a few weeks ago. I don't even remember when, when maybe it was longer than that. Um, and just during worship, there was a girl, and God kind of highlighted to her to me as soon as we walked in the room. I looked in her eyes, and she just, there was something that just struck me, that she, she just felt, I could see that she just felt such hopelessness. And as Andrew was worshiping, he just, all of a sudden, just began to proclaim that there was somebody in the room that was dealing with cutting. And she came to us after. And she was a different person. You could see the countenance in her face completely changed. And she's like, that was me. And I feel hope that I've never felt in my whole life. And I just proclaim that, that there is hope. That God wants to bring around that 180 degree to you. Now I'm going to flash back 10 years. I remember the deep desire to become a family, to be a mother, we were trying to get pregnant, trying to have a family. And I realize now that five months of trying to ha- have a family is not barrenness. But I remember each of those months of the agony I felt, waiting for the results, peeing on the little stick, looking, waiting, watching the little thing change. Okay, not pregnant. Okay. And going again. And then, and then I remember the deep joy when we realized we actually were expecting for the first time. And Andrew told me... Um, a while ago, preparing, he's like, I bet that was the best pee of your life. Like, such a guy thing to say. Such a guy thing to say. But, and then, then you see these guys. You see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these three fathers of the faith, and this promise that God has over them to make them into this amazing nation, to make them up as fathers of children, that I would give you descendants as numerous as the stars. And who are their wives? Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, they're all barren, all three of them. And in fact, if you look at key fig- 
um, key figures in scriptures, all of their mothers were barren. You see Samuel, John the Baptist. And sometimes it seems like the enemy sees the promise and tries to inflict barrenness. But is that actually what happens? Because you see, God is the one that has power to open and close the womb. And maybe it's just that God delights to breathe life into barrenness, to breathe life into the barren place. You know what? Maybe they were already barren and God chose them just because of that so that he could show his awesome power. Because nothing is too difficult for God. And none of these women had any control over their barrenness. I would imagine they were still having sex because honestly, if they weren't, barrenness was not their issue. That wasn't their problem. There was something entirely different that was wrong in that situation. And even now, you have no control over that. You can increase your chances, but it doesn't guarantee anything. And I think a lot of times we see the barrenness in our own lives, and we feel like, God, I don't measure up. I'm not as good as others. If only I hadn't done this or I had done this, then, then maybe it would be all coming together for me. But God loves to breathe life into barren places. Or maybe it's the desert you find yourself in, and it seems dry. And maybe God is actually alluring you into the desert. In Hosea chapter 2, 14 14 to 16, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert, and I will speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth. As in the day she came up out of Egypt, in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. And I just see that that God wants to draw us into that place so that we can come to him in such intimacy as our husband with such love, the Valley of Achor as a door of hope. The Valley of Achor was known as a place of death, a place of sin and desolation. There was no life. There was no growth. But God's desire is to take your place, your Valley of Achor, the place where you feel hopelessness, the place where you feel barren, to make that place into a place of hope, a place of life for you. Because God's desire is never for you to stay in the desert, but his desire is to lure you in, to draw you into intimacy, to draw you into clinging and dependency upon him. Are you depending on God? God led her into the wilderness. It was there that he became her husband. All of her sin, all of her shame, all of her trouble was covered in God's love. Jesus took all of our sin and all of our trouble upon himself on the cross. He overcame. It's a place of complete redemption. And you know, maybe you're in here tonight and you're just content with where you are. But you know that there is more. And maybe you haven't entered into the desert because you haven't really embraced the more of God. But God's word says that we can walk in power and authority here and in the desert places. And the desert place is often what prepares us for the mountaintop experience. They are the things that can give you credibility. They are the things that can give you integrity on the mountain. There's seasons, and whether it's contentment or despair, regardless of the season, 
Many times there's that wall of coming up feeling fruitless and barren. And the natural response can be to feel shame and condemnation. But in fact, that's the actual place where God wants to breathe life and to birth in you. God loves to restore. Two years ago, um, I was speaking at this um, women's conference called Fresh Wind, and it had always been kind of one of my dreams to speak there and to, to just bring change and to shift the atmosphere and to bring hope into women. And so I made all of these bios, I made all of these cards, and, and I got so excited. I brought them out and I spoke, and I felt like it went amazing, and all the cards went, and all of my bio sheets People took them, and I was just like, God, this is so awesome. You're going to launch the dreams and the desires that you've placed inside of me. And there was nothing. And I felt such a wrestle against being so discouraged and so just like, I messed up. It couldn't have possibly been God. But then I have to remember, there was also a lady that met me in Winners. I was in there shopping with two of my sisters-in-laws, and, and she just said, you know, you were there, and I was in your session, and God just did something and changed me. And I, I shared stuff with a girl in there that I'd never met that I'd never shared to anybody before, and God just transformed my life. And you know, what is your perspective? What are you actually looking at? Are you looking at the way you think it should be, or are you looking at it from God's point of view and with what God's saying about you in your life? And maybe you felt like God has given you promises, and you've been excited, and it's empowering, but then you feel like you wake up in the real world, you see your circumstances, and and maybe it feels beyond discouraging at times. You feel barren, and you feel like you're wandering. And how do you experience God even in those places? When it's dry and you don't feel God, doesn't mean that he isn't there. It's in the desert that he's luring you to himself. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me husband. You will no longer call me my master. And if your dream is from God and it resonates with his word, cling to hope. No matter what you're facing, no matter what your circumstance looks like, no matter how hopeless it may look, cling to hope. Because here's what I know. God is faithful to keep his promises. God is faithful to the word that he spoke. And his promises are always good. And whether you're in the in-between, because there's this in-between that I think if God told us about many times, we would never take that step if we saw that in-between process that we have to walk through. But cling to hope because God is good and his desire is to bring you through to the other side. It's never for us to stay in that place. I'm going to read to you from Psalm 33, verse 18 to 22. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait, for hope, or we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And you see, our hope, hope isn't meant for on the mountaintop. If you're on the mountaintop, 
you've, in a sense, you've arrived. But this shows that hope is, is that God will deliver you from death, keep you alive in the place of famine. Because God's given a lot of you dreams. He's given you things that he's placed in your heart. And maybe some of you have been like me where circumstance has not turned out the way you thought. And you've, you've kind of let go of some of that hope, but cling to the hope that we can have in God. Psalm 130, verse 7 says, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Maybe you're here and you feel like, I've walked through stuff that totally disqualifies me. It's not true. Because God is a God of redemption. God is a God who loves to take our brokenness and make it whole. God is a God who loves to take our barrenness and breathe life. He wants to take your mess and make it into something beautiful. There's hope because our God is a redemptive God. And if you're walking in the fullness of the dream, do not forget the hard place. Do not forget where God has brought you through and brought you from. In Jeremiah 2.2, it talks about how Israel was wandering through the desert to get to the promised land. And then, so this is kind of going back to the place when they were wandering. And it says, I remember concerning you the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals, your following after me in the wilderness through a land not sown. And you see, God looked back at that place with longing because Israel looked to him as... Um, Israel was looking to God as the supplier of their needs, as, as her husband willing to follow God wherever he led. Don't forget that place, and don't forget what God has brought you from or what God has brought you through. Keep that intimacy and love alive. Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is joy. There is such joy in following God and in walking in obedience. In the beginning of these last four years, I had felt like I had jumped off a cliff. And instead of God being there to catch me, I felt like I was free-falling into the abyss. And then sinking further and further away from our dreams. And I can't even tell you how many times Andrew and I said to each other how trapped we felt. It felt so hopeless and it felt so far away from where we knew God was calling us to. At times we felt so alone and abandoned by God. But yet, by his grace, we were able to choose hope. And choose thankfulness. And sometimes it's a choice. Are you willing to choose hope? Are you willing to choose to be thankful regardless of your circumstance, regardless of how long you were waiting for your dream to come to pass? Are you willing to choose hope, to cling to the hope that God's given you? I clung to God because he was all that I had to cling to. He was all I had. I had to confess my resentment towards him, and then I watched as he transformed my life. Even now, just the journey of faith from then and watching our finances dwindle away to now, bring you to now. A month ago, we lost the transmission in our van, and we're a family of five with no vehicle. And I've never found it so funny. 
And it's, it's never brought me so much joy. But we, we lost the transmission in our van. And then a friend calls and is just like, my husband's out of work, or not out of work. He's out of town for work for a week. And we don't need our truck, so do you want to use it for a week? Absolutely. I'd love to use your truck for a week. The day before we needed to give that back, my parents fly to Mexico for two weeks, so we use their car for two weeks. <laughs> the day before they get back, a friend calls and is like, I'm going away on holidays. Would you be able to drive me to the airport? Sure. Can I use your car? <laughs> yeah. And we've just laughed. It's, it's funny. And now it's summer and we can bike and it doesn't... Yeah. And on that note, any of you that are going out of town, you know, we can, we can always drive you to the airport and use your car. Just, just put it out there. But I can see how God's growing in me. And I can see how things that once would have brought me despair and agony, just like, God, you've got this. You're my provider. You're my provider, not Jason Global Roofing, not Harvest City Church. You're my provider, God, and you've got this. And if we Go without a vehicle? We go without a vehicle. We'll, we'll figure it out. God knows. And just even seeing the growth in my own self and how God has brought me through, I've found such joy and confidence in who I am in Christ. I'm learning to find the joy. Joy that has absolutely nothing to do with my circumstances. Not happiness, but true joy. Joy in knowing that God has me. And that if I die, I gain. And if I live, it's Christ. I'm slowly learning to not try and do everything on my own and in my own strength, but to walk yoked with Christ. And that that is so much better. And, you know, I just, maybe you're here tonight and you, you don't actually know Christ and maybe you're trying to do life on your own. Accepting him isn't going to make your life easy. It's not going to make it all roses. In fact, in, I believe it's John 16, 33, God says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome. And maybe you, you've never asked God into your life. Maybe, maybe you're doing it on your own. But I'm here to say it's so, so, so worth it to do it with the one who has hope the one who's already overcome, to go through these things with the perspective of Christ and allow him to breathe life and hope. It's worth it. It's worth it all to follow Christ. It's worth it to obey. It's worth the hardship. It's worth walking through the quicksand. It's worth feeling times of hopelessness. It's worth it to come out the other side and to experience God's joy and hope and know that there is such joy in the hope of God. I'm just going to get you guys to just kind of bow your heads for a minute. If you are here tonight and you haven't chosen to walk with Christ, and you're trying to do it on your own, or maybe you did walk with God for a while, but then it got hard, and instead of choosing hope, you chose defeat, and you gave up. And you just said, God, I don't, I don't care anymore. You can, you can have the gospel. You can, you can have it. I don't want it anymore. It's too hard. 
if you're in that place where, where you're just feeling God speaking to you and you want to do life with God, or you have done life with God but then have turned away and started to do it on your own, I'm just going to ask you to respond. Just put your hand up. I'll just wait. Thank you. I'm just going to wait for a second if there's anybody else. get you guys to just um, follow after me. We're just, we'll just pray together. God, I just pray that, that you would take my life. I want to trust you. I want to cling to trust and hope. I don't want to do it on my own anymore, God. But I want to do life with you with the one who can offer me your perspective, who can offer hope and joy no matter what circumstance I face. And then I'm just going to open up the altars. Maybe there's some of you in here that you've lost the joy of following after God. Maybe you've been in a season of mourning and you, you just want God to restore joy to you going to ask you to come up. And maybe you're here tonight and you've carried resentment towards God. You've carried you've carried that heartache and you've let it turn into resentment. I just want you to come up, to choose trust, to choose him. And maybe you're here and you've stopped expecting. You've stopped expecting God to move and God to be faithful to his promises. Maybe you've given up on the hope that he's placed or you've stopped clinging to the hope of the dreams that he's placed in your heart. just want to open the altars for you to come up. Maybe you've been in a place of barrenness and you felt dry, far from the promises and God wants to bring joy and breathe life into the barren places. Or maybe you're going through kind of what I did with anxiety and depression and you just want somebody to pray with you. For that to turn around and for hope to arise. So I'm just going to open the altars. And if, if any of you are in there, I just invite you to come up. Or if, even if you just want prayer, just come. I don't know if there's... your best in mind. He's a God of details. He knows what you can't see. Looking back four years later, I wouldn't trade these four years for anything. I wouldn't trade the hard. I wouldn't trade it. Because it's changed me. Choose life. Choose to trust. 
we have a choice in what we face. We can either choose bitterness towards God. We can either turn our backs or we can choose to trust. Will you choose to trust? continue to worship.